Hey folks, it's Jeff Wenzel from the Woodshed Agency, and you are listening to my podcast called Successfully Funded. Here we go. Let's turn it up. Turn it up. Yeah! All right, crowdfunders, how's everybody doing out there in crowdfunding land? You guys raising money? Huh? Getting your projects funded? Your dreams are being are coming true? So, I'm going to be honest. I'm exhausted, and here's why. My son was up all night uh, coughing. He's got some allergy thing that uh, got spurred with the you know typhoon rains we had a few days ago. So he spent most of the night coughing from around uh, about one in the morning to um, maybe three ish, three uh, thirty ish. Um, coughed so hard that he made himself puke in bed. So I had to get up and change the sheets and all that stuff and. Uh, then we put him on, on a lazy boy chair, so he sat upright to try to stop coughing, and he just looked at me until about 5.30, and I was up with him, just sitting there looking at him. So uh, I went to bed at about 5.30 in the morning. Guess what time I got up? 7. 6.45, 7-ish, when it's all said and done. So I'm bringing this intro. I'm bringing it pretty slow today. So on this episode, I have an interview with um, a jack-of-all-trades guy by the name of Brennan Reese. And how I got introduced to Brendan was um, through Paul Luan, um, one of the business partners here at Woodshed Agency. And he was adamant that I needed to read Brennan's book and I needed to meet him (laughs) um, and have a conversation with him. So after a couple of weeks, um, I I bought the book, uh, which the book title is Productivity for the Depressive Polymath, A Guide for the Advanced Jack-of-All-Trades. And you can find that on Amazon and, and all that stuff. And, and I strongly recommend if you are struggling a bit with productivity and, um, you know, just uh, basically life, um, this is a great quick read. And so, so I read the book in a weekend, which is unheard of for me, mind you, because I, I'm just not a huge book reader. So, um, so I spent, like I said, I spent a weekend with it, reading the book. And it was as if this guy, Brennan, wrote everything that's in my brain. It was almost, again, a weird out-of-body experience where it was like, I, I felt like I wrote, I wrote this book. This is almost everything to a T on how I feel. So I decided that I was like, I got to have him on the podcast. And he doesn't exactly fit. He's not running a crowdfunding campaign. He's not successfully funded. you know. So he's not exactly in our bubble. But here's why I wanted to have him on there is, some of the feedback I feel like I'm getting from the people around me and some of the clients is, is how stressful and how hard it is to, you know, have a family, probably have a job, and then decide that I'm going to go ahead and uh, either create a side business or run this Kickstarter. And people don't realize how much work it takes to, to work on these projects. It's a huge amount of work. So, you know, I, I thought Brennan had a ton of a ton of great um, advice and ideas on how to just manage your time, find your focus, and attack the things that are truly important. And we get into a ton of that in our conversation. Um, uh, uh, and, and I think too, it's just it's so important for for not only my clients, but I think anybody out there thinking about running a crowdfunding campaign to understand the amount of work is ridiculous. And that is a theme, I think, on almost every one of these calls, um, or, excuse me, interviews, and then every one of my um, crowdfunding free calls. That, mind you, if you want to, uh, to take 20 minutes of my time to talk to me, just call me. Uh, you go to the website, woodshedagency backslash crowdfunding slash calls, and email me, and I'll give you 20 minutes, and we'll talk about your campaign. But, you know... It, the thesis of all those calls are people typically launch their marketing campaign the day they launch their Kickstarter, and all of a sudden they're swarming going, oh my God, I should have been doing this for nine months. So so that's where I thought this conversation would be great for somebody who's you know uh, thinking about running a crowdfunding campaign or already has because this book just does such a great job of focusing yourself. One of the best chapters in it for me is, um, is Brennan has a, has a philosophy of uh, um, only say yes to the projects that make you feel like, fuck yes, <laughs> you know? Uh, I cuss, by the way, sorry, disclaimer, if you got kids in the car, you might want to hit mute, um, and then say no to everything else. 
So, you know, he, I think he had a formula of like, you know, you say no a thousand times to the one yes. And that's how you're always working with really, really good projects. And that's something that for me personally, it's been a struggle, um, you know, through working with my therapist that is recent in my life. It's, you know, I'm a people pleaser and I'm really trying to make sure that I'm helping your project as the best I can. I'm putting everything into it. The problem with that is that sometimes, you know, I might be working harder than you are on it. And that's a bad, bad formula. And it's a formula that will not work for crowdfunding. So, you know, what I, what I'm, you know, basically I think I had my first one out of this, right? I just said no to a project that I was like, I, I just, it doesn't make me feel good. It's confusing. I don't want to work on it. It's not where my head is. Um, and I had to, I had to say no. And it's it's funny we you know Brett and I got into this conversation too where you know you you just constantly have this worry that you're missing out on something like oh my god what if I turn this down I'm going to miss out on it but the facts are that happens to us all the time every day in our life so it really is the most important thing to just prioritize what's truly truly important and I and like I said if you're not saying yes with enthusiasm probably you don't want to work on it and. That's a philosophy that I'm really, really trying to take from, from, from my conversation with Brendan, from reading his book, into this. And, and I think that's a great example for somebody out there who's going, All right, I, I wanna, I've got this great board game that I've created, or I've got this great, you know, um, I, whatever, i got a great idea that I want to launch. To really understand um, what it's going to take to get anybody in this world to reach into their pocket and pull out a dollar, um, it it is so challenging um, to get people to to buy in, and really for all of our campaigns, it's about creating a community. What does your community look like? Are people interested in hearing from you? Are you an expert? Are you active on social media? You know that's that's a huge thing too. So so that's why you know most of my conversations around you know you, you just you've got to be active. You've got to find that time um, to to go out there and just do it and. And, and I'm a perfect example of it right now, and, and I'm proud to be a perfect example of it because right now I just want to go to bed, and instead I'm exhausted. Instead, I've got to get my podcast out on Thursday. I've got a I've got client work I've got to do. I'm doing onboarding. Uh, you know, I've got to pick the kids up. I got to make dinner. I am the guy who has I'm constantly, constantly finding a faster way to do it, streamline this, do this better. Um, and, and that's where I think that for you to be successful in crowdfunding, you have to get into this mindset. Um, cause if you, if you don't, I know you'll be overwhelmed and you'll be stressed out and that that's a product for, for no success. So, all right. So that's enough of that. So like I said, kids, boy, they really, really pushed me last night and I know it's this allergy thing and it's, man, it's just it is just gut wrenching, man. I, I just sitting up last night, just and 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 I, I sit up and I'll say this back to my son. I'm sitting up and I'm watching him, you know, like a hawk because, you know, he just when he gets this sort of allergy in his lungs, he's just he becomes this like deep breather where his lungs just go in and out. And man, I just, you know, I, don't know, I just have fear. You know, it's just fear, and and I think fear for a good reason. So I just I, I sit and I just I just look at him and I just make sure that each breath. Hopefully he's getting more and more shallow and he just starts to become breathing normal because we got to do a breathing treatment. And then, you know, he's got all this allergy medicine that he takes. And, man, it's just it's, – it's not only is are you tired, but you're mentally exhausted because of worry. Man, and it's just – that is – that's exactly where I am right now. So – Apologize if this is a Debbie Downer type of uh, intro um, for this uh, for this episode, but I, you know, I, I, I do feel like you know Brennan uh, goes into a little bit too in, in our interview that you know when he had his son, how his priorities started to change, and and that's exactly how I'm feeling. So you know, this conversation was I, I can't stress enough so amazing because it it was it felt as if I was talking to myself because of our history of the music history that we uh, uh, Brennan and I both share and. And our love for it, and and how it's moved us into other um, uh, um, fields, and how the skill sets learned through music really impact our day to day lives. Um, and I think I, I'm so thankful for it all the time because I, I I stand back and I'm 
I see so many times where there's a skill set that I know I picked up either in a studio or on a stage or writing a song or collaborating with somebody or creating, you know, just being creative that impacts how I reach out to somebody, how I approach their project and how I just overall feel. And, and again, that all came from, you know, uh, my music education, which wasn't formal, which Brendan will go into the same thing. He didn't have a formal education either, but just that, um, that desire to get better. Um, you know, and I really am standing back as a 36 year old male with, you know, with a family and all that stuff standing and going, you know, what really shaped me was those years from, you know, 12 to 15 sitting in my room, playing guitar over and over four five six hours sometimes eight hours playing all day you know messing with the sound learning how to record you know all of that that makeup in that time frame is what shaped me into being who i am now and and, and what i'm striving for so so grateful for the what music's done um in my life and brennan and i shared a lot of that in our conversation here so all right enough of me being a debbie downer and exhausted I got to go move on to some more tasks, but uh, let's kick it to my, my interview with Brennan Reese from his book, Productivity for the Depressive Power. Hey, Brennan, how's it going? Uh, great, how are you? I'm doing real well. Thanks so much for taking some time to have a conversation with me, man. Absolutely my pleasure. Thanks for having me on. Yeah, no problem. So uh, I think you know we have a mutual friend, Paul Luan, right? That's right. And he sent me your book, uh, or told me to go buy it, uh, is actually what he did, a couple, maybe about a month ago. And uh, I'm a slow reader, so I didn't get into it very, you know, right away. I'm not a huge reader. Uh, but then I spent a weekend, and I found out that you and I might be living the exact same life. Oh, right. So I have been giddy to get you on and to have a conversation with you for a couple reasons. Number one, I want to break down just kind of productivity and stuff like that for my clients and crowdfunding campaigns and so on and so forth, and just kind of like that mentalness. And then my own selfishness is uh, this book was very weird for me to read. It was like reading my story. It was – we think a lot alike. Well, you know, I, I wrote it for myself. Uh, so, yeah, um, I, I've had a few people tell me that. And, and um, <clears throat> basically, I just, you know, I, I have been kicking around some of these ideas for a long time and uh, just got a wild hair one weekend and decided to write them all down. So, so yeah. yeah. So let's let's actually tell us like the book and kind of what's your elevator pitch when you're telling somebody about kind of the book and, and you? Oh, wow. Um, okay. So for me, um, you know how, when you're a kid, everyone says you really need to pick one thing and focus, or you're never going to be good at it. Uh, you're, you know, you're never going to be able to make a living. Um, I refuse to do that. And I've made a career out of not focusing. (laughs) That's a heck of an elevator pitch. And, uh, yeah, I've heard that as well. So you're going to hear that a lot. I think out of me is like, that's, that's what I've heard is you know, I did a bunch of sports back in when I was a kid. I did, uh, uh, I play guitar. I've had recording studios. Uh, I was a musician for a long time. Uh, uh, I've done just, I build websites for people. I do crowdfunding consulting. I'm on a podcast with you right now. Right. So it's like, uh, and then, and then everything you read online is like, pick one thing, pick one thing and go with it. So, well, yeah, go ahead. Yeah. So, um, you know the the thing that the thing that I think works and, and is that everything you learn, every skill you have, is going to inform every other skill. And especially with people who are creative, people who are making things, and and that's really how I define myself as a maker. Mm-hmm. Um, everything that you know about drawing is going to help you with carpentry. Everything that you know about uh, you know, photography is going to inform your graphic design. Um, you know, all the things that you learn about marketing is going to inform the way you write. Um, so you end up with kind of these emergent skill sets, um, that 
kind of come out of nowhere. Um, so that's that's one of the things um, that I talk about in the book, the, the Confucian uh, quote about from one thing, you know, 10,000 things. Um, so, so yeah, that's, you know, that's, uh, that's the story of my life. Basically it's, it's, it's not that I'm doing all of these things that aren't connected. There's this, basically there's a theme and it's, it's making things that I find interesting. So real quick for the listeners, what is the title of your book? So they hear from uh, you. Productivity for the depressive polymath. And where can they get that book? Uh, they can get that on Amazon. Yeah, that's where I got mine. And, uh, and, and, and it, it's, it's, you know, what's interesting too. just kind of break down the book real quick before we kind of deep dive into a few more subjects is, uh, is it's, it's not an overly aggressive read, you know, it's, it's, it's a lot of, you know, I don't even know if they're chapters. How do you refer, refer to them as like, um, okay. So some of the backstory on the the philosophy. I've, I've always been into figuring out how to fix the things I'm screwing up at. Um, and since I was a kid and, you know, I've been really into, you know, reading philosophy and, and reading about religion and productivity and, you know, I'll get into to Zen Buddhism or I'll get into minimalism and I'll get into getting things done. And, and I'll, you know, so just after 30 years of being into this stuff, it just kind of started to, to seep into my head. Um, I taught guitar professionally. Uh, I, I took a, a seven-year break from being a graphic designer, and um, I teach these lessons. And you know, I'd, I'd end up talking about painting to kids, and I'd, I'd find these metaphors. Um, so, the, basically, um, I, I just you know, I had these little ideas, and I was writing blog posts, and I was I was. Uh, you know, um, telling these little, uh, analogies and metaphors and, and, um, reading all of these productivity books. And one of the things I noticed about the productivity book was that most of them, you can really distill down to a few pages. Mm -hmm. And, uh, I think one of the things that, that really, um, pointed this out was, uh, um, Stephen Pressfield's The War of Art which is, you know, the chapters are very small. Um, and they, sometimes they're just a few sentences. And I thought this, this is an incredible, incredible book about, you know, being an artist and actually sitting your butt down and, uh, and, you know, making things. And, um, so I thought that, you know, that's, that's a good way to do it. Strip out all of the crap. I wanted to make something that you can just turn to any page and, uh, read it quickly and get something out of it. Um, I get really irritated by, uh, reading the same trite old business, uh, book chestnuts over and over again. Mm -hmm. Um, and, and it just seems like most productivity books, most creativity books, um, most, you know, business and marketing books, they're, they're just padded to, to, you know, put stuff on a lot of pages. And I didn't want to do that. I wanted to, to give something to people who, you know, there's a lot of people who they don't have time to read. Uh, some people don't like to read. Some mm -hmm. people aren't reading. Um, and so I worked really hard at saying, okay, well, I don't want to write any chapters that won't fit on two pages. You know, right. ideally I want them to be under a page. And if there's something that I have to say that's only a paragraph long, I'm just going to make it a paragraph. And, uh, you know, rules and marketing expectations be damned. Yeah. Well, you know, one of the things that was interesting is so just kind of catching up to just kind of re you know, get my mind focused back around your book before talking to you was, you know, just flipping through it. It does exactly what you just said. Like I just was just kind of flipping through it yesterday, a little bit this morning, you know, just wrapping my brain back around thoughts, you know, and I picked up three or four more things. You know, it's funny that the biggest one for me right now is it's your chapters on the, you know, saying no and then saying fuck yes to like right. real things, right? Like mm -hmm. I have two things around me right now that I don't know why I won't say no to. Like I just like, you know, so like reading those, I was like, you know what, you know what I'm doing tomorrow? No's are coming out of me because <laughs> this is everything you said there is exactly how I feel. I'm just, I just had to kind of have that push over the ledge for lack of a better term. Like, what am I doing? Right. I don't want to do it. What, you know, I should have said yes right away. Like I do my other clients when I'm like, yeah, yeah I can't wait to work on it. So like, it, was and it almost never works out, you yeah. know, saying yes to something, you know, 
if it's if it's a job or a friendship or you know having having dinner with that uncle you never really liked or you know that it's just it's it's never going to be fun for whatever reason and it's useful to say okay well why am i saying yes you mm-hmm. know what am i afraid of yeah you know you know i think it's you know it's funny so real quick too so like I actually recently in the last year just got my own therapist, right? And I never had that. I thought I came from the perfect, you know, my parents are still together, you know, you know, middle America, we had everything we wanted, sport, you know, all that stuff. But like, that's actually kind of got me going into like, wow, I realize that I'm a real people pleaser person, right? Like, mm-hmm. I, I don't know why. And that's where I found out that that's where it's coming from. Like, I just don't want to hurt somebody's feeling by saying no. So I'll go ahead and destroy my family and my time and my, you know, what am I doing? Yeah. You know, what am I doing? Yeah. So that, that's where it's kind of come from, uh, for me personally. But, um, so talk, talk a little bit about like this experience that music's had over kind of, you know, is it a core thing to you or tell me about music in your world? Yeah. Okay. So, um, to me, music was just something that people did. It was my, my dad and my uncles all played when I was a, a kid um, you know, they, they were a bunch of, uh, hippies who had hitchhiked all over the place. And, um, you know, my earliest memories are, are my dad and my uncles and their hippie friends, uh, sitting around playing music and smoking joints. And, um, that was just, that was part of my childhood. And, uh, the, the cool thing about that was they weren't just playing covers. They were all songwriters. Mm-hmm. And so I, and, um, I grew up in this environment where, uh, you know, making things was just part of what you did. You know, my, all of, you know, my, my dad's a master carpenter and, and, uh, his, my grandfather was, you know, um, amazing furniture maker and did upholstery and, and just kind of that, that generation of people who could do everything for themselves, very self-sufficient. And, uh, they, if they, you know, not if they needed something, but if they wanted to make something, they made it. And so there was just that kind of urge to make things. And, uh, my parents split up when I was six and, uh, you know, for various reasons, I I didn't see my dad for a really long time, but part of my way of having a connection to my dad was playing music. And I, I picked up the guitar. Yeah. I always had one, always messed around on one, but I got really serious about it when I was around 10 years old. And the neighborhood I lived in, all the kids started playing guitar mm. when they were around 10 or 11 years old. You know, we'd all play uh, you know, Black Sabbath and Leonard Skinner and, and Guns N' Roses and, and uh, Led Zeppelin. And, um, you know, I was this kind of a uh, scrawny, asthmatic, weirdo kid uh, growing up in um, Alabama. And, uh, you know, all these kids, they were, you know, you know big and tough and, and you know, uh, very outdoorsy. And, uh, you know, they could do a lot of things better than me. And I was going to be damned if they could play music better than me because that was what my family did. Um, and so, you know, I'd always, you know, been an artist and I loved to read and, and it was just kind of another way to make things. And to me, music was kind of my sport. It's how I was competitive with neighborhood kids. I mean, they could all kick my ass and, and, you know, beat me at any kind of sport, but I put the hours in I sat my butt down and I played the guitar and, um, it was just, you know, a mixture of, of that being how I connected with my dad and, and that, uh, maker's instinct and the competitiveness and, um, you know, started writing songs about girls I liked and playing in punk bands and, uh, you know, took guitar lessons in high school from a guy who was a pretty good jazz guitarist and ended up studying jazz guitar with some guys in, in Philadelphia, some pretty big players and, um, you know, I've written over 200 songs, been playing guitar for 30 years. I talk professionally. I've made my living gigging and teaching lessons and, uh, you know, did that off and on while I was, um, you know, doing graphic design. And then, uh, you know, pretty much for the six or seven years before my kid was born, that's how I made my living. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's, you know, unfortunately I don't play as much as I used to. Um, but there was a, you know, big swath of time in my life where what I did is I came home from work and I went down in the basement and I, I you know, got out the, the keyboard and the guitars and the microphones and I wrote and recorded songs and, you know, wrote drum parts and keyboard arrangements and string sections and horn parts and everything. And that's, man, I, I you know, I loved it. Just that creative outlet. 
How, how do how do you think that just that approach around music impacted not only the book but your graphic design and just just you in, in general, just with music oh, at the core? Yeah. So, um, well, if you're going to be good at it, you're you're going to have to you're going to have to sit down and put in the time, mm-hmm. right? And um, you come across different types of musicians. You have the more classically trained musicians. Um, and then you have the, uh, you know, the guys who, who play, you know, rock and roll, they're, they're content playing covers. And then you have people who are using it as an art form and you have this, you know, all the time, you, you know, you find this with writers and artists and photographers as well. You have people who are doing it because they, they just want to do something they think is kind of cool and they're okay with, with copying someone else. And then you have the people who really have this urge to make something new. And I think there's a lot of that. Um, for me, I have very little discipline. Um, I've never been a disciplined person. And so, you know, I spent 20 years practicing anywhere from 48 hour, four to eight hours a day. And um, none of it was, oh, God, I need to sit down and practice. It was all, oh, my God, I get to practice. Mm-hmm. You know, I get to play the guitar. I get to draw. I get to, you know, I, I'm the same way with my graphic design. I, I don't. You know, I didn't go to school for it. I'm self-taught. Um, I, you know, I do it because I love it. I have a passion for design. I have a passion for art and for photography and for film and for cooking and, um, you know, for I, I'm probably forgetting a lot of other things <laughs> I've had about. But you know, I I love to read and I love to write and I just like to make things. And um, after a while, it's just kind of oh well, you know, it's just art. I'm making stuff and and you know, this month or this year. I'm making music and maybe next year I'm, I'm really into painting. Um, but it's, you know, after a while I just kind of stopped thinking of them as, you know, separate things. So like, um, I write songs, this, you know, I, I do kind of, uh, you know, weird, um, style, you know, drawings and illustrations are kind of dark. I write songs the same, same way. You know, I like to, you know, like kind of, um, outlaw country, uh, Lou Reed ghost story songs, Um, you know, so my, I have, I carry the themes through everything. Um, but you know, it's, it's not like I'm going to do music now and I'm going to do art now. It just, it all kind of runs together. Yeah. So, you know, so in, in my life here, I, I found that my experience in music and I had a, you know, I started when I was 12, uh, had a studio when I was 18 that did really well. And, but what I found is that when I'm in my meetings now, and now that I'm older and I've kind of put music on the back burner cause I had kids is yeah. that a, a lot of times when I get the education question, because I'm like yourself, right? I, I self-taught. I just have passion beyond passion. And I get anything done, right? So I'm always mm-hmm. like, I learned so much about marketing, social media, working a crowd through music and being out on the road touring. And like, you know, I have more education in real life incidents than any book will tell you. And I, that's how music for me was always like, man. I learned so much from how to put a song together to move somebody, you know, to whatever emotion I want, right? Like sad, whatever it is. So that's how, in my mind, you know, music is still at the core of everything that I'm doing because of how I created for, you know, up until I call it, you know, BC before child, you know, (laughs) when I I could do it for 10 hours or I would just disappear for a weekend and nobody would see me and I'd come out with, I have three songs, you know? Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, I, I know. I, I would um, I, I would say, OK, well, th- you know, this weekend I'm not going to go anywhere. I'm going to get a lot of, you know, Chinese takeout yes. and I'm going to record an EP. I'm just going to write and record, you know, and that's all I'm doing this weekend. That was great. Um, yeah, man, those were the days. Uh, <laughs> I hear you, man. Yeah, I- but, you know, the, the other thing is um, in music. Well, OK, so, yeah, there's the marketing you have to, you know, um, there's also the mediation and, and working with collaborators who, yeah. you know, don't always, um, have the same goals in mind. And, and, and sometimes working with people who think they're a lot better than they really are. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, I think that's every, every moment, isn't it? Yeah. Which I got to imagine that, that, you know, cause you're in the graphic design world right now, or, you know, that you, mm-hmm. you, you have to run across that as well in your field where like, you know, I'm sure you're not soup to nuts every single thing for a for a design, right? I mean, is, is there other people involved? Are you collaborate? You know, are you working with other people right now in a firm or anything like so, that? Um, yeah. So I I do. Um, I'm the staff graphic designer for Bully Pulpit Games. 
Um, and they do these amazing, uh, role playing games, tabletop games, uh, live action role playing games, card games. And, um, I actually started out doing illustration for them. And then I started doing graphic design and I work with illustrators and I'm very, I'm, I'm very, uh, irritating to illustrators. I'm, I, you know, or, and through work, sometimes I work with other photographers. Whenever possible, I do everything I can. I try to do it all. Yep. Um, I, you know, I have I have some slight control freak tendencies, um, <laughs> but you know, it, it it's it's really just because I love doing it. And um, you know, so a lot of it's it's kind of like working with a band and and you know, saying okay, well, here's the song I've written. Let's see what you can do. Eh, can you do something maybe a little more interesting with that baseline? Right. You know, can you play a little more complicated chord? Can you, you know, not always sing the root and the fifth, maybe do something more interesting with the melody. Um, and, and so, yeah, being, um, being diplomatic with people, but still trying to extract their best from them. Yeah. <laughs> I think that's why I'm always like, uh, I've had to mentor a few you know, younger kids in my day, you know, in the studio world. And I was just like, please go get a psychology degree so you can learn how to talk to people. And, you know, then you, and then you'll just, you know, you know how you learn recording or you do it for 10,000 hours and then you yeah. get really good at it. But yeah, it, it, it's you know. an, it's impossible to, to not get good at something if you keep doing it. Yeah. Right. As, as long, as long, you know, you have to challenge yourself. Um, You've got to, I think I wrote this in the book, you know, you never learn anything from doing it right the first time. Yep. So, but the thing, uh, man, I, I don't think I mentioned the, the Ira Glass thing. There's this, this thing Ira Glass put together about, um, the reason people get into making things is because they have good taste and they want to make stuff that approaches, you know, they want to make the music they want to hear. They want to paint the paintings they'd like to see. They want to write the novels they want to read and they start doing it and they fall short. And the ones who keep striving for that, for that kind of platonic ideal of the art they want to see, but doesn't exist. Those are the people who become really good. Yeah. And if you can take that and while you're doing that, you can develop some good marketing. Um, then you can make a living doing it, mm -hmm. you know, and, um, there's, you know, there's, there's the, the, the artists who aren't good at marketing. There's the marketers who aren't good at art. And then you have people who are in the middle who can do a little bit of both. And that's, that's what I'm interested in. You know, the, the Jonathan Coltons, mm -hmm. the people who can do stuff that they like. And there are people, and I'm, you know, like, I, I don't know how you feel about him. I'm, I'm, it's not really my style of music, but I respect what he's doing. Right. I think it's really cool that he's able to make his living making his music. Yeah. I have so much respect for anybody making a living with music because that's one of the things that I had to eventually bow out on is I was like, I just could never see the the life I wanted for my family, you know, yeah. the traveling, the, you know, you know, just barely making it every week. I was like, I just, right. You know, and as much as I love it, you know, I actually, I, I kind of had that moment and this is like 2014 for myself where I just literally, I unplugged. I said, I got to get away. I'm so yeah. in debt. I have been doing this every waking minute of my life, you know, uh, from like 12 to 34, I'm unplugging for a little bit. I can always go back to it. You know, it, I, cause it's funny when you had that chapter on the 10,000 things that that's exactly when, when I read that, I was like, Oh my God, you're speaking my brain. Like I will never not learn that skill set. I might not be practicing it every day, but you know, I could jump back in and still swim or ride the bike a little bit. You know, yeah, like um, it's it's still there. You know, I I found that um, like my ear is better. I'm listening more critically. Uh, it's it's hard going back to it, but sometimes because my fingers don't do what my ears want them to do. Because you know, at at my prime, I could play pretty much anything I could hear in my head. Yeah. Now I. And now as long as I try to play it slowly, I can do the same thing, but the chops just aren't there anymore. You know, right. I don't, have the, I don't have the metronome time. I'm like physically, you know, mentally I'm there, artistically I'm there. Physically, I can't just pull it off. Yeah. You know, um, which is, you know, it's a little discouraging, but I know that, you know, give me a month and some metronome time. It's not a problem. It's right. just that, you know, if I, if I really wanted to do it, I would do it. Mm-hmm. You know, so I kind of abstractly want to do it. Sweet. So I, I want to switch gears a little bit. So 
one of the reasons why, you know, when Paul and I were kind of discussing having you on is, is I really loved a lot of your chapters on productivity. And I thought that that would be like the best thing that I think my listeners outside of us, we could literally talk about music all day. Right. right. But, but my listeners are, you know, crowdfunding people, uh, doing a lot of social media and that landscape, as you, I'm sure you're aware, there's so mm-hmm. much on everybody's plate. Everybody's got, uh, you know, a lot of my clients are people with full-time jobs, families, and then they decided that they're going to go do a startup <laughs> and they're going to do a, a Kickstarter campaign. And I'm finding that a lot of them are struggling with productivity and, and just, I, I think putting themselves in the right mental space mm-hmm. to actually attack a second business, you know, you know, you know, frankly, like, like you and I are right now, I'm running my podcast for my startup company. It's, it's nine 30. I kind of want to go to bed. I had a long day. I was up at six o'clock with my kids, but like, this is my drive. Right. So I, I want to kind of deep dive into your mindset around, I guess, when you take on a task or your daily rituals or how you approach, you know, you know, kind of being exhausted or mentally drained or stretched a little bit too far. Okay. Um, okay. So one of the things I really try to do is say no to as many things as possible. And I have to think it's almost like productivity triage. You know, I I look at my list and I think, do I really need to do this? Do I really need to worry about it? Um, Anything that I don't absolutely have to do, I try not to do. I try not to even think about it. Uh, I'll give it to someone else. Um, I'll, I'll tell them no. Uh, because I really need to make room. I need, need, you know, psychic bandwidth to deal with these things. Right. Um, meditation has helped a lot. Uh, you know, just kind of anything you can do to get rid of the stress, um, exercise, drinking, you know, sleeping enough, having enough water. A lot of people, they, they, they try to do the four or five hours of sleep a night and cram things in as, as far as time, but really, it, it's kind of like like practicing the guitar. You know, you can you can practice a lot, or you can practice right, mm-hmm. and you can stay awake a lot and try to do a lot of stuff, or you can focus your efforts and get yourself in a good condition to work on the things that really matter. Um, it's like the the you know Pareto principle: the you know twenty percent of the things that you work on are going to yield eighty percent of the results. Um, so. What I really try to do is I think, okay, well, what, you know, what's the one thing that'll have the most impact today? What do I need to do beyond the obligations that I can't possibly say no to? What can I do that's going to have the most impact? You know, and a lot of times it's, it's not, it's not the thing that has to be taken care of. It's something, you know, so, um, you know, I, I, for instance, with, with my health, um, you know, I try to get a hundred ounces of water and I try to walk every day. And in the short term, it's like, Oh, you know, it's a lot of water to drink. It's, it's a lot of time. Um, but in the long term, I'm, I feel so much better for it. And so I am in the mindset, uh, I'm, I'm physically capable of really attacking something with as much energy as I can. Um, you know, um, so, you know, like, like meditation, mindfulness, uh, taking time to listen to music, relaxing a little bit, not just being this, this huge, you know, buzzing ball of activity all the time and spending your activity on the things that really matter. Um, you know, knowing that, uh, you know, like you're meditating now so that you'll be twice as productive as you would normally be, you know? Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. Um, but I mean, beyond that, seriously, read getting things done, you know, write down everything and, uh, you know, and then decide what it is that you just kind of want to do, or you think that you should do and figure out what your real priorities are and why you want to do them. And if, you know, it's just something that, you know, if you're not already doing it, you, you probably don't really want to do it. It's your, there's probably some like, you know, deep seated psychological reason that you're, that you want to do it, but you're not, you know, there's some expectation. And so figure out what it is that you really want to do. So, you know, if, if, you know, you're really passionate about, you know, getting your company off the ground and you want to put the hours in, but you've got these buddies and you've, you've been getting together, you know, to watch football for years and, 
you know, you, you feel obligated to do it, you know, your, your obligation is primarily to your own happiness. And so you have to kind of let go of these things that, you know, maybe you'd kind of like to do, but it's just not helping you out at all. You know, it's, it's not really serving any purpose. And, and, you know, everything that you do has a cost. <laughs> You're right about that. That it's, it's funny how much I think about that just uh, around me where, you know, without judging them, but I think about that, like every decision, there's a consequence to that decision. I, I don't care that you chose to play Madden all day, you know, it's a football game. I don't, that's great. I decided to work from eight o'clock to 10 o'clock, you know, to, to bring on two more clients, you know, you know, I'm happy. Hopefully maybe you're happy. Just don't come at me and go, I just don't understand why I don't have any money. Well, you played Madden all day. Yeah. You yeah. know, uh, you know, uh, it's not that complicated. <laughs> so when, when did, uh, when did meditation, you know, kind of come into your life? Is it something that you've always practiced or is it later in life? Oh, um, so yeah. Uh, I found a copy of Siddhartha when I was 12 hmm. and, um, I don't even know where I picked it. I think it was a mixture of that and reading about uh, Zen on the back of the liner notes for Miles Davis's Kind of Blue. <laughs> and, uh, and those, you know, those things I say, oh, that's really cool. And, and I thought, you know, enlightenment. Wow, what is enlightenment? And, and I say, yeah, that's what I want. And, and you know, now, uh, you know, 30 years later, saying, oh, I don't really believe in enlightenment. But it's something I've always messed around with. And um I started really getting it in, into it in my early twenties and then, you know, I get really stressed and end up in a, you know, a job I hated and, you know, it, it's, I've always kind of returned to it in crisis mode and, um, it's really helped me deal with things. Um, and one of the things is it, it really helps you just let go of thoughts mm-hmm. and it's not emptying your brain. It's just realizing that thoughts are just thoughts. You know, they, they're not real. They're just things in your head and, and, uh, they're just going to come in and pass through. And when you're meditating, that's really to me what you're practicing. You're just sitting there and saying, well, you know, okay, well, I'm, I'm obsessing over this. Stop obsessing. Just sit, just, you know, pay attention to your breath. You know, right now in this moment, you're not miserable. The only thing that's making you miserable is the fact that you're obsessing over this thing. So stop doing that. And when you're meditating, that's the only thing you have to worry about, you know, um, and if you practice that, and, and this is really, you know, it, it's a meditation practice. It's like practicing anything else, like practicing the guitar, like practicing football. The more you do it, the more you get better. So just like you're, you're practicing the guitar so that you can get up on stage and you can play in front of a crowd. Well, you're practicing meditation so that when you're in your real life and something shitty happens, um, you can say, oh, well, you know, in the grand scheme of things, that's really not a big deal. And I'm not going to, you know, overreact or, or let this ruin my day. I'm just going to roll with it and do what I can do. You know, so for me, just coming back to myself, I, I've been uh, messing with the app Headspace. I don't know if you're familiar with it or not. Oh, because, yeah, it's great. Yeah. yeah, that's that is my like I've been working on it for because because I've also you know, part of your chapter two is you talk about weight, you know, your weight gain and and mm-hmm. and just how shitty you can feel over, you know, just cooking, you know, just changing health. Right. And right. I'm in that same boat where I was like, man, how did I get so big? You know, like, yeah. what am I doing? You know, I'm 30, you know, and then my dad's had a bunch of health scares. So, you know, this year I started Bikram yoga back in January and I go there two to three times a week. And then, but I've been trying to put meditation into just, you know, it's like, that's my next step is really trying to get my brain, I think more under control. Cause it's, you know, it's wobbly. It's all over the place. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So that's why I've always, I'm always trying to find people who practice it. And I have another friend of mine that did an episode with great Alexander. He's, you know, you know, he's got the 20 years into it and I'm just trying to find that like, man, getting into it and really practicing. And I think your analogy of this, you know, you keep going back to the guitar analogy and, and, and that's where I keep going back to. Like I keep going back to, man, when I played from when I was 12, I practiced every night for a couple hours and finding that time is the biggest struggle I find with. So how, how do you, you know, if, if you're starting something new, what, what techniques do you do to try to implement, you know, actual time to get better at something? Oh, okay. Um, so there's a book called Effortless Mastery by Kenny Werner and it's, uh, he's a pianist and, um, you know, he, he had some hand issues and, and it's basically about trying to find a way to practice appropriately in a way that's not going to screw your hands up. 
So one of the things that he said is just, you know, tell yourself all you're obligated to is five minutes. Mm. You know, a lot of people think that when they start a new practice that they have to devote all this time. Well, the hardest part is really just getting started. Yeah. You know, and, and I mean, we all have discretionary time, you know, you can find it somewhere. If, if you, if you can't find, you know, an hour for yourself to do whatever the hell you want, you know, you should probably cut back on some other stuff. Right. You know, it's just it's just not good for you. Realize that it's not healthy. And right now, you know, it's it's good if if you have the jump in the trenches and and you know uh and you know bail some water out uh so you don't drown. But you know, long term as a habit it's it's just it's horrible for you and it's hor- horrible for your productivity and and bad for your relationships um and and really horrible for your health, you know, mental, emotional and physical. So, um, I would say just start with five minutes and, you know, and don't feel guilty about not doing more than five minutes. And it doesn't matter what that is. And if you're meditating and you don't feel like meditating after five minutes, then great, get up, you've done it. If, you know, it's same thing with guitar. If you're learning how to play the guitar, you know, say, okay, for five minutes, I'm going to work my ass off. I'm playing guitar. I'm going to focus I'm going to practice exactly what I should, if you're, you know, you're drawing or writing or whatever, you know, okay, I'm going to make myself write, I, you know, a hundred words. That's all I have to write. And if I feel like writing after that, fine. But if not, fine, I've done a hundred words. You know, you write a hundred words every day for a year, you have a novella. Yeah. You know, you know, so again, I think what you're saying right now would it, it's, it connects so well to, to people getting into social media at first. Cause again, uh, a lot of this is coming from like client issues I'm, you know, we're, we're currently having where it's such a daunting task to sell, to tell somebody like, you need to go be active on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, you know, be in communities, go have conversations when they literally just got a Facebook page. Right. Yeah. So, I, yeah. so my, my like first months are like, could you just put up two posts from somebody else, you know, and like getting them into that process it's, you know, and, and having them see, like, I, I'm not expecting you to put a post up on Facebook and all of a sudden you get $100,000 on Kickstarter. I'm, yeah. I'm expecting you to start getting into the practice of communicating in this forum, basically, you know? Uh, and, and it's just, man, it, I, I think I, I'm hoping that a lot of people listen to this and just hear that, like, dude, five minutes. And, and I'm taking it personally for myself because the meditation is something that I'm slipping on, right? Like, it's like getting to Bikram yoga is enough. And, and it's like, well, what can I cut out? to get that five minutes. Cause I know that the benefits I, I hear, I mean, I know what the benefits are going to be if I can get my mind in that yeah. headspace, you know, uh, you know, well, you I, know I, do it when you wake, wake up in the morning, you know, I mean, you, you can, you can do it anywhere. You can, you know, just wake up, go, go out in your yard yep. and five minutes or, or anywhere, you know, um, you, you know, it, you don't have to be in a peaceful setting. You, you just, you just have to pay attention to your breath. Yeah. It's, it's funny. It's like, it's almost like there's this perception that we all create in our mind of like what meditation equals. Like, Oh, I got to go sit cross-legged somewhere. I got to have this, the incense, you know, you know, and I think that people do that for a whole bunch of stuff too, where it's like, they make all these things bigger than what it is. It's like, yeah, just go sit in your car for five minutes. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> you know? Absolutely. Or you, I mean, you can meditate in line at the grocery store. You, yeah. Yeah. I, I can I see mean, that too. Yeah. I mean, uh, you, you can, I mean, you can find a lot, I mean, hell for that matter, if you, if you know anything about, you know, visualization, you can learn songs, you know, Mm -hmm. uh, you can practice your guitar without a guitar in line at the grocery store. Right. You know, there's, there's all kinds of, of cool little tricks you can do to do all kinds of things. Um, you know, you can, you can find time. Um, but you know, finding time is you, you really, the main thing is is that you know saying no to things, and I think if you say no to enough things, then you're going to find yourself a lot of time, you know, a lot of things, and you have to think, okay, well, well, what am I doing that isn't really making me happy? You know, a lot of people, oh, well, you know, I, I like watching TV, I like watching movies, you know, I like playing video games, but you know, when you're on your death, and this is you know really trite, but if you know while you're on your deathbed, are you going to look back and you'll say, "Oh man, I wish I'd watch more movies." Right. Like, well, you know, I mean, you know, uh, maybe more Jodorowsky movies, but you know, not not these other movies. Right. 
you know, and um, it's really uh, making choices about you know what you're doing with your time. And, and I'm not saying that you know you should you should never do things that are fun, but you should do things that are are fun and will enhance you other than just, you know, it's like, it's, you know, it's like eating McDonald's all the time, which it's, it's good. But if you did every day, it's just something. Right. And people get into these, these habits of watching bad television and, 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 you know, that's kind of sort of funny, but not really funny. And, and reading books that are kind of sort of interesting, but not really that good. Um, and I mean, it's not that hard to find quality stuff to do. And, uh, you know, it's, it's, if you can give up on your video games or, you know, let them be a treat as opposed to a habit, mm-hmm. you know, um, and instead of, of that, you know, hell, if you're really that interested in video games, make video games, right. You know, if you're really that passionate about it, if you're really that interested in, in bad television, become a writer, right? You know, get, get, I mean, you can, you can shoot 4k video on most smartphones now, do a stupid little five minute pilot with your friends. Who knows what that's going to turn into? You know, I mean, there's, there's just lots of ways that you can be entertained, um, that you can spend your time, uh, you know, doing silly, goofy stuff that's really enriching and you've made something. Um, and you know, again, this isn't for everybody. Right. This is this is for people like us who are <laughs> trying to find that time. And um, I can't. I mean, I love video games. I love them so much. And I, you know, I love watching movies and and you know, reading. I could read forever, but I have to stop myself. Mm-hmm. And uh, the first time I came across someone saying I need, you know, um, you know, don't read so much was in The Artist's Way by Julia Cameron. And that was one of the things that she, I think she recommended to somebody is, you know, you're, you're reading too much. You're using it as escapism, hmm. you know, instead of, of uh, you know, focusing on the things that are really helping you. And like I, I still I read for at least an hour a day. Um, but if all you're doing is reading, then, you know, you're just kind of consuming what someone else has made instead of making your own thing. Right. Have you ever found in your, you know, your uh say no to a bunch of stuff that you've ever really missed out on something like you, you have any scenario where you like, ah, oh, I should have taken that one or something oh, like that. Yeah, I mean, yeah, all the time. I mean, but the thing is everything, every decision you make, you're, you're, you're missing out on lots of stuff, you know? So, I mean, you just have to come to terms with that, that, um, you know, you're going to, you're going to miss out on things. You're going to make decisions and, and sometimes, you know, you have these dilemmas and there's no right choice to be made. You just have to make a choice. And the, the thing is, nothing is going to develop linearly. Nothing is going to be predictable. So, um, I mean, you know, maybe you're going to miss out on something now, but a few years down the line, maybe the thing that you chose will open up something even better. So is, is there a moment that you can pinpoint back to, I, like, I, I liked your chapter or chapter on the be gentle yourself. And I think that's something yeah. that even for me personally, I struggle with, right? Like I beat myself yeah. up over, right? So is there a moment maybe in your twenties or thirties where you, you had that moment where you're like, you know what? Boom, that's it. Uh, you know, it's okay. <laughs> you know? Oh God. Um, yeah, I'm, uh, I'm historically really good at, at destroying really good situations. Um, <laughs> I had, I was, you know, I had a, I had a really good job in my early twenties. It was, you know, it was a mid uh, late nineties and you can make lots and lots of money just knowing basic HTML. And, you know, I had one of those jobs and, um, I just, I, you know, I went to, I went to lunch one day and there was this old lady who was waiting on us and she was just seemed so tired and grouchy and I guess I hadn't had the best day of work. And, and I thought, oh, my God, she's got to be 40 years older than me. I have 40 more years to look forward to this. And um, I just, you know, I ended up a few months later quitting my job. Hmm. And, uh, you know, if I, had, if I had stayed with it, I'd be making, you know, a lot more money than I'm making now. I'm just now getting to where I'm catching up with the amount of money that I was making in my early 20s. And wow. I'm, I'm 41 now. Um, now, I make a decent living. You know, I, I have a, a good freelance career and I have a good day job and, um, you know, every now and then I'll make something and sell it. Uh, you know, so I, I live comfortably and I can afford a few nice things. And um, but, 
you know, I, I think back to that and say, man, if I had, if I had just, you know, kind of gone over that hump and, and, uh, and stuck with it, I, who knows where I'd be right now. I could, you know, have, I could own my own really successful ad agency or something. Um, but on the other hand, I would never have made my living as a jazz guitarist <laughs> in Alabama. Right. You know, I, I probably would, would never have had my kid. Um, there's so many things that I've, I've experienced since then that just wouldn't have happened. Hmm. Um, so, you know, I mean, you can't really get caught up in it. And I think that's, that's one of the things that I've gotten from Zen is you just don't worry about it. You know, um, follow something. There, there's this whole concept of, uh, aspiration without expectation. And it's, it's cool to strive, but you know, don't get so caught up in the results, you know, enjoy the ride. And that's something that I've, I've kind of learned to do. And, and also in retrospect, realize you've made mistakes and, and, you know, they're your education, you know, it's a, it's almost a free education, you know, learning how not to make those mistakes again. And, you know, when you get to be our age, um, you actually kind of get good at this stuff, right? You know, when you've screwed up enough stuff to where it's like, Oh, well, of course I wouldn't do that. Right. You know, the, the, um, the danger is being too cautious. Yeah. You know, what was the impact on when you had your, you, you have one, one son, correct? One son. Yeah. So what was the impact on, in terms of like, did that change a whole bunch of stuff? Did it really focus you? You know, Oh God, man. Um, yeah. So it, um, yeah, it, it, I went from practice, like, like being probably one of the most artistically productive people I knew to having almost zero output overnight. Mm-hmm. Uh, my dad instincts kicked in really hard. Um, and I, you know, I, I had written, you know, I was, I was writing a song every couple of weeks and, and recording and being in band, you know, gigging two or three nights a week and, and, you know, doing art and, and, uh, writing novels and, and that all just kind of disappeared. And I ended up taking this, this job. I work at Auburn university. Um, and granted, you know, I do, you know, illustration and photography and video production and graphic design and, and writing and, and it's a cool job and it's really good for me. But as far as, you know, my own artistic output off the clock, it's just, you know, um, it was really important just to be as good a dad as possible. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, part of that was because my own dad wasn't around and, and, um, you know, I, I, you know, there's, there's, there's lots of fodder to, to chew on with my therapist about this. (laughs) Um, but, but yeah, I mean, I, I, um, it took me, a really long time to get back into the stride of making things. And, uh, I think a lot of it has been, well, you know, I'm introducing my kid to these things, Hmm. you know, I'm, I want him to be around art. I want him to, you know, um, I want him to see that you can make your living doing non-traditional things. You can make a living as an artist. You can make a living as a writer. Uh, you can, you know, you can make music. So I, I try to, you know, fill his life with making things, um, you know, try to give him that, that magical childhood that, you know, I wish I had had and, uh, kind of giving it to myself too. Um, and so as a result of jumping back into that, um, you know, we'll draw together and that'll motivate me to draw more or yeah. I'll, you know, teach him how to play, you know, a, a blue shuffle or something. And, and then, you know, in the next few days I'll, I'll be, you know, playing a lot of old Delta blues. Um, but I mean, you know, I'm, I'm still, I got out of the habit of writing songs and I'd like to get back into it. Um, and actually before we went to bed tonight, he said, Hey daddy, can we, can we make some songs? Can we do some recordings? <laughs> it's like, yeah, hell yeah, we can. Absolutely. Um, and you know, we watch old classic, uh, universal horror movies a lot. So we're going to, we're going to do a few little horror movie spoofs. Um, and so in, you know, in the process teach them a little bit about making things, give them some vocabulary and some experience and, you know, who knows by the time he's in his twenties, maybe that's what he'll be doing. Yeah. That's so you just described what I'm waiting for. My son's five, my daughter's three and, uh, you know, Guitar is he's very intrigued by it right now, and he you can tell he's got some rhythm in him, right? So, right. so I think that that's what I'm looking at. That's what I have a little bit of glimmer of hope that I'm going to get back into it sooner than later when I'm like 
let me show you this sweet riff. You know? Right. And all yeah. of a sudden he's like, oh, that's cool. And then, I, you know, I want to get him a, I don't know if you ever saw like Jack White's got this guitar. It's like a little three string. What's the company? I can't remember the. Yeah, company. I know. I know exactly. They're they're really kind of uh, like candy colored. Yeah, and, yeah, and they're like yeah, real guitars. Yeah. So like I like I don't yeah. want to get him the Walmart thing that just doesn't mm-hmm. do. Like I want him to be like, you can play this. You know, I I could play a couple chords on here, and you know, so like I think that's yeah. what that's the Christmas gift this year. So I know he's not listening check, to the podcast. Check out but. um yeah those guitars. I saw them on Boing Boing. Yeah. Um, and uh, the guy, I can't remember the guy's name. Um, he's the editor of Make Magazine. He just put out a book called Maker Dad, okay. and he has some direction. There, it's it's really it's a really cool book. Highly recommended. Lots of cool projects to make with your kids. But one of them is a lunchbox guitar made out of an old steel lunchbox. That's sweet. And it's it's one of the three string things, and you can go from really primitive all the way up to like you know really cool. Yeah. So if if you if you have that kind of you know I have this. Uh, you know, uh, carpentry making things background. Um, so that's that's one of the things on our list to do is to make one of these uh, you know metal lunchbox guitars. Yeah, that'll be sweet. I, I like this one too because I think this one is a you piece it together. You put the neck yeah. on, and it you know so you still got to build a little bit of it. And uh, yeah, I'm that's that's what's got to be for Christmas because I want to riff a little bit around the house. Oh <laughs> so, yeah, yeah. I, it, it, they're they're super cool looking. They they I remember they uh, it really scratched my my graphic designer yeah. nerve. Yeah, well, I, see, what I have to fight is I have to fight the wife battle as to why I got to get all the instruments back out, and then I got to be like, baby, I got to get a better amp, you know? Well, yeah, well, I mean, you're, you're doing it for your kid. Right, right. Once you can do it for the right. kid, I can, ju- I can get everything, uh, you know, I, I got to get the ribbon mic. I got to get this preamp, <laughs> you know? You can start sliding all that stuff under it, you know? All uh, yeah. my expense forms will be in, so... Yeah. 12 AX7s in the kid's stocking. Exactly. That's what he needs. Mm -hmm. I know you don't understand, but it's going to sound better. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) It's always better. Well, Brennan, I don't want to take up too much time because it's, you know, this is a great conversation. And I literally, like I said, you know, it was an unbelievable read because it it felt like my brain was on in my Kindle as I'm reading this going, oh, my God, this is like, this is my life. It's weird. You know, from the weight gain, we could get into the cooking like. I took over cooking for my house for the last couple of years. We could break down that where, man, I do all the cooking now. I, I try to control all the food. It seems like that was something that was passionate in your life. Yeah, uh, absolutely. You know, the, the one I got to get, I got to get the meditation in. That's what I'm working on next. But, but I love the book. I recommend it to everybody. Uh, um, but man, I, I'm really glad we got a chance to connect. Me too. Thanks a lot for having me, Jeff. No problem. Thanks, Brennan. All right. Have a good night. You too.
Yeah, yeah, yeah. I see a woman that looks 